All right. Very good. So this week we're going to finish up our series on uh, entitled Little Acts. Uh, we're going to be in um, Ruth, basically all of Ruth today, okay? Um, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be pulling some verses out of Ruth, but we're basically going to be in Ruth 1 through 4 um, throughout this thing. And uh, really what we've been talking about throughout this series is, is knowing that the little acts that we can do, that God can take those little things and God can do big things through them. The first week we talked about a little boy who was willing to give up his lunch, and because he gave up his lunch, thousands of people got fed. Last week we talked about how uh, Pharaoh's daughter, with, with some reckless compassion, was able to, to see this little baby in a basket and begin to, to, to take that little baby and raise him. And, and, and the little baby became Moses, who, who obviously wrote five, you know, a lot of the, the Old Testament and, 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 and led his people out of slavery and, and did all those sort of things. And, and this week we're going to talk about uh, this story in Ruth. And, and just so you know kind of where we're at, this story takes place uh, after it, it judges, basically, or about the time of judges, just so you have a little bit of a timeline of where this is. And so um, this morning what I want to do to kind of start off with is I want to kind of give you a little bit of background of the story, uh, kind of get you to where we're going to be so you kind of know what's going on, okay? So in the story of Ruth, there's a lady, her name is Naomi. And Naomi and her husband and their two sons, they leave Israel. There's a famine going on or Judah and that area. And they leave that area because there's a famine. And so they go into another country and uh, they are there, and while they are there, um, the, the two sons marry two Moabite women, okay? And one of those women is Ruth. So now, if you kind of get where we're at, we have, we have Naomi and her husband and her two sons, and Naomi and, 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 uh, or, and Ruth and the other lady who marry the two sons. Well, while they're there, during this time, Naomi's husband dies, and also the two sons die. Okay. Now, of course, this is devastating, obviously, because anytime someone, you know, their spouse passes away, it's a very difficult, hard situation. But during this time, it's even worse. Because during this time, the man was really the guy that kind of supported the woman and all these sort of things to a, a very, high, very, very strong um, extent. And so basically now what you have is you have three women who are three widows, okay? And so they are not in a very good position. So Naomi decides to go back home. She's heard that basically the famine is over and she decides to go back home to kind of be near people that she, she knows. And so she is on this journey with these two Moabite women who are basically her daughter-in-laws. And so as they're going, she stops and goes, listen, listen, there is nothing for you back where I'm going to be. She goes, go back home and go be with your family there. And so they, they kind of fight over it just for a minute. They kind of have this discussion. Well, no, I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay. And, and basically one of the daughter-in-laws with some coaxing. Okay, we don't want to, you know, it wasn't like she was like, all right, I'm out. I'll see you. They obviously had a very close relationship, all three of them. But eventually she goes away. She goes back home. But Ruth doesn't. Ruth stays. Ruth looks at Naomi and she gives this beautiful, um, really soliloquy um, on, on where she's at and what she's doing. And this isn't in your notes, but it's in Ruth chapter 1. And I just want to read it to you because it's very beautiful what she says in chapter 6, verse, uh, verse 16 of chapter 1. She says, this is what she says, but Ruth replied, 
Do not ask me to leave you and turn back. She's speaking to Naomi here. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So they are on this journey and they get back basically to her homeland, which is actually a town that most of us have heard of before. It's a town called Bethlehem. Now that'll, that'll come up again here in a little while, but, but so they go back to Bethlehem and that's where they're at. Okay, so basically that's where we're at in the story. We've now kind of caught up. We're going to pick up the story in basically Ruth chapter 2. And we're going to see some very interesting things as far as God using some very small acts to do something absolutely huge. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. And Father, I pray that you would just help me right now. Father, my words aren't going to be enough. Father, I admit that. I know that. My wisdom isn't enough. The things, the time that I've prepared isn't enough. But Father, with you, everything changes. With you, little acts become massive, world-changing things. Not because we're so great. We're not. But because you are are so huge, and you are so awesome. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our ears, you would open our hearts to be able to see what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through these, excuse me, through this time that we're together. Father, we love you, excuse me, and thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, let's go ahead and jump into our notes. And so before we really get into really uh, uh, the, the, the major part of what I wanted to share this morning, I, want to, I saw something else as I was looking at this, and I want it to be an encouragement to us because sometimes what I find is sometimes we look at these things and we kind of can miss that God has stuff for us to do because it seems so big and the problems seem so massive, but there's something we need to understand. So starting about in Ruth 2, we're going to see something very interesting. And in your notes it says this. It says, a, a natural move that was led by the supernatural hand of God. Look at Ruth 2.2 with me. This is what it says. It says, one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi. Okay, now they're back in Bethlehem now. She says, let me go out into the harvest field and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. Now, before we kind of go into this, I want to explain something, okay? Because you may look at, what does this mean? Or why would she do this? Or, Or what's this all about? Well, to understand what Naomi wants, or excuse me, what Ruth wants to do here, we have to understand what God has put into place. In Leviticus, we see something very interesting. In Leviticus, God is kind of giving his children these laws, and he's telling them what to do, and he's basically saying, hey, you need to understand some or certain things. And so in Leviticus chapter 19, verse number 9 through 10, it basically says this. It says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the wine or from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor 
and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Now let's stop here for just a second and kind of understand what God is saying. Basically here what he's commanded his, his children to do, what he's commanded the Israelites to do is when they go out and they harvest, they're not to harvest everything. They're supposed to leave the corners, and if something drops, so let's say you're, you're out there and you're picking grapes, okay? We were over at Tammy's house a couple of, um, a month ago or so, we were over there with her, and Tammy has grapevines out in her, in her backyard, and Easton thought that was the coolest thing ever, was it out there, and so he's out there picking grapes, and he's out there, oh, these are good. And, and so basically I told Tammy, I said, next grape harvest, just call Easton and he will come over and he will pick every grape. But basically he's picking the grapes. Well, he, the idea here is if the, the, the person that's picking the grapes drops one, they are forbidden to pick it up. Okay? Now, I want you to think about this. This is a good law to always remember. If food hits the ground, don't pick it up. Leave it. None of this five-second rule stuff, okay? Leave it, all right? Anyway, God says, listen, I, I, I'm going to, I'm commanding you to leave it. And why did they leave it? If they dropped grain, why did they leave It's so the poor and the foreigners could come behind the harvesters and come behind, and so they could have something to eat. You know what's interesting to me? And I, I don't mean this as, as, a, as a knock against humans, because I am one, but I think it's fair to look at it ourselves a little bit. Isn't it sad that God has to command us to be kind and, and, and care for one another? These are things, as much as I wish I could look at all of us and go, hey man, this is going to come easy. It doesn't. We typically are very kind of self-absorbed and selfish and kind of look at ourselves and kind of make sure. But, but, but God here is commanding us to be kind and take care of one another. So that's what Ruth is doing. Ruth is going to go to the field and see if someone is kind enough to be obedient to what God has asked them to do. Okay? So that's the kind of concept here, okay? She's going to go and she's going to see if someone is kind enough to let her do this, even though God's commanded it, okay? Even though God's commanded it. So here's what we pick up the story again in Ruth 2, 3. It says this, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, okay? As it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Imelech. Okay? So, so here's what happens. I, 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 I love this story um, because she goes and she goes, I'm going to go out to this field. Well, she just happened to show up on this particular day at this particular field, and we're not necessarily going to get into it, but it just happened that Boaz just happened to be there when she's there. Just like, a, like an oops. You know, just, just happened to happen. Listen, listen, I don't know where you stand on this, but this is where I stand. I don't believe in coincidences. My God has a plan, and his plan is perfect, and it works out. I don't believe he just, she just happened to be there. 
Listen, I think one of the things that I sometimes struggle with, and, and I know that sometimes we struggle with, is this thought, I, I, I want to be a part of what God wants me to do. I, I, I want to I do these small acts that I know God can use, but we go, how? How's God going to use this? How's God going to do these things? Listen, here's what I believe that God wants to do if you allow it. It's this. I think God will take your natural movement, your natural life, your natural situations, and bring about supernatural situations through those times. I believe that God looks at us and says, hey, it didn't just so happen that you ran out of milk and you need to go to Target to get some more. I don't believe you just happened to come to church this morning. I believe that you are not going to just happen to choose a restaurant, possibly to go have lunch. I believe that God will take these things, if we're open to it, and our eyes are open to it, and allow us to be used in supernatural ways. I had a a professor in college, he called these divine appointments. And I loved that terminology because it was a situation where it was obviously God, it was God's plan, but it was an appointment. It wasn't just an oops. It wasn't just a happen. Listen, you don't just, at least you shouldn't, okay? If you do this, please don't, okay? You don't just happen to walk into your doctor's office. You have an appointment. You don't just say, well, hi, Dr. So-and-so, how are you? Listen, I know you're busy, I know you got a lot going on, but I just happened to be driving by, and I thought, hey, why not stop in and have you, you know, give me an x-ray on my arm? Don't do that. And I don't believe God does that either with us. I believe that God has strategically placed us in places for strategic moments And sometimes we need to trust that the reason these things are happening is because God wants us to make an impact to do that small thing in that moment. We're going to see as we continue why this was so important that Ruth just happened to walk into Boaz's field, even though I believe as we see throughout this that it was, there was nothing happenstance about it. It was all God's plan. So this is where she finds herself. She finds herself in Boaz's field. So next I want to talk about is the kindness that Boaz shows Ruth. Let's look at Ruth 2. We're going to look at verses two, uh, uh, verses 1 in chapter 2, and then we're going to jump to verses 5 through 10. So this is what it says in Ruth 2, 1. It says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. We're kind of, again, we're kind of understanding who he is who is a relative of Naomi's husband, Imelech. Now let's jump to verse number 5 and 10. Okay, so now Ruth is there. Ruth is uh, working in the fields, basically gathering, and this is what happens. It says, and Boaz shows up. Then Boaz asks his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. On to verse number 8. Boaz went over to her and said, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. 
Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. So in this story, we see something interesting. Now, we see not just Boaz. Listen, this is important. Catch this. Okay, because sometimes what we tend to do is we tend to see how far we can stay away from doing the, the, going further. Does that make sense? It's like, in this situation, Boaz has obeyed the command of God. Okay? He has told his harvesters to do this. He has not harvested everything. He is letting these individuals come. He is being obedient, which is awesome and very good and very important. But Boaz takes a step further. Boaz begins to say, you stay here, you stay close, you, you stay in this moment, you, you stay here with, my, with these, these ladies, they'll protect you. I've told the men to leave you alone. He's gone above and beyond to show her kindness, to show her that she is taken care of, to show her that she matters. And what's her response? She's blown away by this. Her response is just totally like, like whoa, 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 why are you even doing this? I'm a foreigner. I don't belong. I, I'm, I'm not a part of the group, basically. She, she's basically expressing this, this understanding that, that she doesn't understand why he's showing this kindness. Because in her world, she has nothing to offer. In her mindset, she's nothing. And it's interesting here that, that a lot of times we will be kind to people, to people that, that, that really we think will give us something, okay? Sometimes we're kind to our boss. Why? Because we want to get that promotion. Or we're kind to people that we think can, can give us something or elevate us in status or, or whatever it might be. But in this situation, Boaz is, Ruth has nothing to offer him. Nothing. Now you go, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit, but you go, well, well, well eventually they're going to get married, and, and well, maybe she was pretty, or maybe she was attractive. Maybe there was a spark there of, 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 of romantic interest. What's interesting here in the Bible here is not what's there so much, but what's not there. A lot of times when we read Scripture, it will tell us if the person is attractive. Think back to Joseph. Remember when Joseph is, is in the uh, Potiphar's house? What do we hear about Joseph? He's a good-looking guy. What do we hear about Rachel, uh, uh, or uh, uh, Jacob's wife Rachel? She's a good-looking lady. We don't hear this about Ruth. And what's interesting here is we have to understand this, and it's in your notes, and we need to understand this about ourselves so we can do a better job with it, and I need to too. It's this. We find it pretty easy to be kind to others when we see a potential payoff from the investment of our kindness. Yet true kindness is shown when we extend ourselves to others as far as we can see who have nothing to give us. Nothing to give us. They, they, they have nothing that is going to benefit our lives and our situation. Now, let's jump on. He continues here. Look at Ruth 2, starting with verse number 14. So, he continues to show Ruth kindness. He says, at mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So, he sat with the harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. 
when Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men. Now, this is cool. Leave her, uh, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and do not give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. So again, Boaz here is not just saying, here's the law and I will fulfill the law and I will not take a step further. He now is inviting her to enjoy basically actually doing kind of some of the harvest. He's commanded his, his servants, his workers to basically go, whoops, uh, I dropped something so that she can pick it up. Listen, there is a kindness here that is that is altering the situation. I believe that God has called us as his followers to have a kindness that changes the situation, that changes the culture that we find ourselves in. One of the things that, that I've noticed recently over the last couple of years, and, it, and I've tried to kind of put my head around it because I'm kind of looking at it going, there, there's a reason why this is happening, and, and there's a reason why this stuff is, is coming up right now. And, and it's this. Do you realize in the last couple of years how many like movie, uh, movies coming out, and there's a documentary, and there's podcasts, and there's all this stuff about a guy that we all know that wore a cardigan called Mr. Rogers? Now, I started thinking about that because I was like, okay, is this one of those, those things that is, um, you know, like my generation or longing for the days when we were growing up? Why is it right now? But the thing is, Mr. Rogers started like in the 60s. And so when I was watching it in the 80s, I was watching some of them were reruns. I mean, they were still new, but they were reruns. And so I'm trying to figure out what is going on here. Well, there's a movie that's coming out in a couple weeks uh, with Tom Hanks, and he's going to play Mr. Rogers. Have you seen, you seen this? Well, I was watching a, a trailer for this, and, 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 and they, they, they came out. You know how they always start with the movie? You know, they show, like, these, these people that we're supposed to believe no movies and, and things like that, and they talk about, oh, how great the movie is. And I remember one of the quotes that came up was something to this effect. Basically, this is the movie that we need right now. And then the next little blurb had something about kindness. Do you realize how void of kindness our culture is today? Just simple kindness. Just simple common courtesy for each other. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how people are too busy. And look, we all do it. I'm not trying to throw rocks, but we've got to understand. We're all so busy with what's in our hand that we can't even see that somebody's dropping their groceries because we're too busy on checking Facebook. And we have a devoid of just simple kindness. We have, and there is a longing for this. Now listen, you can look at that and bemoan that. And I think you're right. I think it's sad that we don't. But I look at it as an opportunity for the church and for Christians to rise up, put their phones in their pockets for a little bit, and show some kindness for, to each other. To care for each other in that way. To be that. 
that, that person that, that, that doesn't just, quote-unquote, fulfill the law, but goes above and beyond. I have a simple question for you and for me, okay? How can we, this time of year, and, and not just this time of year, but all year, how can we show kindness in a way that is life-altering to people? How can we show kindness and the love of God to somebody in a way that literally kind of makes them do what Ruth did, which is take a step back and go, whoa, wait a minute. What are you doing? You ever met somebody like that? I've known people in my life, and I'm sorry that I can be so cynical, but they're so nice, you kind of look at them and go, what do you want? You know what I mean? What, what, what are you trying to, what are you doing? And we look at him and go, that can't be real. That can't be real. But here's what happens, folks. When we allow God to come and transform us, it can't be real because of the loving kindness that Jesus has shown us. Because of his loving kindness, we can in turn share that with others. So, Where we're at in the story is we see this unbelievable, life-changing kindness that takes place in the life of Ruth. Now, let's jump to number three. Let's look at the results of the kindness that Ruth and Boaz show. Because I want to start here. I want to conclude Ruth in this because Ruth is extremely kind to Naomi. She takes care of her. She helps her. She can go back and live a more comfortable life, but she, she says, no, no, I am going to be here. I'm not letting you go and do this alone. So, so even Ruth shows some kindness. Even Ruth shows some compassion and some care as she takes care of her mother-in-law and as she's there with her mother-in-law. But let's, let's let, now, before we get into to, to, to Ruth 4, okay, I'm going to explain something very quickly, okay? And, and this is not the main part of the message, and so that's why I'm kind of going over this, okay? But I'm going to get really quick so you understand, okay? Boaz is Ruth Kingsman Redeemer, okay? Basically, what God has set up is a situation where there's a widow in this situation, and there's a kinsman whose job it is to come marry her and take care of her. Ruth goes to Boaz in a very, what seemed to be strange for us, but which is more of an act of submission and more of an act of will you fulfill your duty. She basically waits till Boaz is asleep, and I know this sounds weird, you can look at it in chapter 3, she uncovers his feet. Very romantic, okay? I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody here, um, you know, uh, watches this time of year the Hallmark Channel, and all the Christmas movies that are coming out, you know. I, don't, I really do not believe in any of these romantic Christmassy movies that you all like to watch. And I know some of you are laughing right now because you're like, yeah, that's me. And you don't want to admit it. But I doubt you will ever see the romantic part of the movie where the young lady uncovers the gentleman's feet. But then it meant something very important. And Boaz agrees, okay? He says, I will fulfill that. I will do what I'm supposed to do, and I will do that. So we pick it up now in basically Ruth 4, 13, and it says this. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, 
who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. So, so, so Boaz and Ruth, they marry and God blesses them with a son. And isn't that a beautiful story? I mean, you could just end it right there and go, oh, what? I mean, seriously, I mean, when's that going to be on Hallmark Channel? I mean, you know, you know, can you just see it all pictured, you know? It's, it's, it's the rag to riches story kind of thing. And, oh, it's just, oh, and they get a son. And that's, what people, but see, that's the point. And that's, that's what's so awesome about our God. Because God can take these little acts and, and not only do they get blessed, but now we're going to figure out a little bit more. Now we're going to see how God can take those little acts and begin to do something a lot bigger. So let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, we've talked about it a little bit before, Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew is mainly writing to Jewish people, okay? That's his target audience. And so he is beginning this portion of Scripture. He's beginning the gospel that he writes with a genealogy. He wants you to see how we got to a certain guy. And so as you jump into this genealogy, we're not going to go through the whole thing. We're going to just jump in at verse number 5. And this is what it says. It says, Solomon was the father of Boaz. Everybody, we've been talking about Boaz. We know who he is. Whose mother was Rahab. Now, that's a whole other message we could get into. We're not going to do that today. But his mother's Rahab, excuse me. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Okay? So now we're getting to these people we know. So Ruth and Boaz have a little boy, and his name is Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. David's great-grandparents are Boaz and Ruth. Pretty cool, huh? Now, Let's leave it there. Okay, oh, but the story gets even better. You know, I mean, now, now it's, it's even a better Hallmark movie. I mean, now they not only have a child, but, but their grandson becomes the greatest king of Israel. Writes this all, so many of the Psalms and, and all the stories and Goliath and all. Oh, wow. But the story doesn't end there. Because if you continue down to Matthew... If you get to Matthew 1.16, this is what it says. Again, continuing the genealogy, continuing the story. It says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, maybe you're not like me and you haven't been listening to Christmas music all year round. Yes, I do that. Do not judge me. Maybe you have just begun to open up and listen to Christmas music. Maybe you're one of these people that wait till after Thanksgiving. But, but regardless, at some point, probably in the next month and a half, you're going to start hearing songs about a little town called Bethlehem. You're going to hear a story about a little baby 
that came from David. You're going you're gonna to know that, that, that we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. This little act of kindness to a stranger, to a foreigner, began a process which God used to fulfill prophecy and bring us Jesus. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. I told you this as we were going through this whole thing that, that every time the whole goal here is it all leads to Jesus. It all leads to Jesus. And I love that in this story that, that in some ways to our Western mindset can seem kind of strange. It, 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 what do you mean she was a widow? Well, that's okay. She could be okay with that. And what do you, kinsman redeemed? What? Uncovered his feet? Well, oh, that's gross. What is, and it can be so easy to miss. But see, the whole point of the kindness that God has given us to share with others. The whole point of these little acts that God has commanded us and asked us to do, it is there to bring people to Jesus. It is there to to have Jesus birthed in their life. You see, that's what God has called us to do. That's what God has asked us to be. It has been this, this, this individual where, where we go and we make a difference and we share God's love and we share the kindness and the mercy and the grace that God has shown us. Why? Not so we can build a church. Not so that we can look awesome or that. It's so that people can understand and meet Jesus. Listen. We're going into the holidays. We all know that. Things are getting crazy and things are getting busy. You're going to be sitting across probably in a week or two uh, from people that, 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 that you maybe not get along with real well. And listen, it's not an accident they're there. You've got people at work and in your school that are possibly more open this time of year than they are any other time of year for the kindness and the love of Jesus. These people in your family and in your work and in your school, they're not there on accident. They're not there because they just happened to get that degree in school or they just happened to move there. Listen, I believe that my God makes everything fit together, that he has a plan and his plan is perfect. And you're not there on accident either. And you go, but Aaron, Aaron, you don't understand. The problems are so huge. The the stuff they're dealing with, so huge. Listen, God doesn't ask us sometimes to do the big thing. He sometimes just says, will you do the little thing and trust me because I can take your little thing and express it in a way that people will see Jesus. For some of us, Maybe it's given our lunch. For others, it's reckless acts of compassion. Maybe for all of us as well, it's just simple kindness. You got that guy at work and you know he's swamped. You know he's got all this stuff. He's got deadlines. It's end of the year. And you walk up to him. And it's not that you're not busy either, but you walk up to him or her and say, hey, I noticed you got a lot going on. Can I help you? 
You're at the mall. You're doing something. You see this woman walking in. She's got a stroller with two kids in it. Three more are following her. They're going crazy. She's ready to pull her hair out. You just hold the door for her. You're in the grocery store. And there's stuff on... Listen, my wife is not... She's, she's not really tall. There's stuff on the high shelf she can't reach. You walk up and you see a lady or a guy, whoever, and they're just staring at something. You realize they can, ma'am, sir, can I help you? Guys, this isn't rocket science. We can do this. And here's what's awesome. I truly believe not only can we do this, and that means all of us, but God can take it and change worlds. God can take it and change lives. Boaz wasn't special. Ruth wasn't special. Moses wasn't special. They were human beings just like us. That little boy to help and look what God did look what God can do but we have to be open we have to be have our spiritual ears open and our spiritual eyes open and know and believe that God wants to use us and not just not just to be kind, even though that's awesome. Not just to be compassionate, that's awesome. Not just to be givers, that's awesome. But so people can see Jesus. Our world is void of these things. And again, we can bemoan it, and I do. But what an opportunity that we have to share the love of Jesus share the kindness of Jesus to those that we have contact with. So can we pray? Because as we talked about before, we're not really good at this. We're, 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 we, we, we don't just sometimes happen upon it. it it's, 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 it's something that we have to work on with God's help. And I believe that the first step He's going to God and saying, God, I want to do this. Will you help me? And I believe that he will. So if that's you, and you want God to help you to be this type of individual, then let's pray. And let's ask God, and I believe he'll help us. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, we need you. And God, we believe that you do take the little things And because of your greatness and because of your plan, because of how awesome you are, you take those little things and you do amazing things. There's been so many people that I've had in contact with and I'll talk to them. I'll say, well, how did you come to know Jesus? And it's amazing how many of them don't start out with, well, I was getting yelled at by a Christian. I was getting, you know, told I was going to hell. 
It's amazing how many of them really begin with the love and the kindness and the goodness that someone that knew Jesus showed them. In some ways, as scripture says, they lifted Jesus up and acted like him and Jesus drew them to himself. And Father, that's what we want to do. We don't want to just be kind for the sake of kindness, even though that's great. We don't want to just do these things because because we have to. We want to do them so that people will see Jesus in us and they'll desire you. We're not doing it for alternative motives. We're doing it because we have experienced the love of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, and that fruit comes naturally out of us because, Jesus, what you have done in us, you're just asking us to be like you. And when we do that, you can take those actions and those fruits and produce something absolutely incredible. So Father, help us. Help us.